The BBT Show. What do you call three guys in their 30s making a podcast? The Brandon Beef and Tom Show. Featuring Brandon. Want to get rich or die broke try? Beef. A date which will live in infamy. That's the Gettysburg Address, right? And Tom. You paid $40 for that? Hey, 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 welcome to the BBT Show. This is your host, Kyle, uh, this week. Everybody at... Hey, now wait a minute. This this is horse crap. (laughs) This is is the Brandon Beef and Tom Show. Who's this? (laughs) Um, Sorry, I must have dialed the wrong number. (laughs) (laughs) Beef Beef is calling in over the pineapple phone, but our guest thinks that since he's in the room with us, he's going to kind of take over everything. He's going to beat up on Beef a little bit. (laughs) I tend to take over every situation. Beef, you're not going to stand for that, are you? I'm not. This is our show. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Beef isn't in here with us, but he's with us in spirit. So, who is our guest this week? What's your name? My name is Kyle McLean. I am a real estate agent, which I guess is why I've been asked to be on the show, because I used to be in a different trade, so we're going to talk about that. About bit. how you transitioned. Yeah, or some people would call me a trader. Ooh. <laughs> oh, we left the union. That's what that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Kyle, your wife worked with Brandon's girlfriend for a long time, but you guys had actually never met before this. And then you had worked very briefly with one of uh, a mutual friend of the Brandon Beef and Tom show who shall remain nameless because he values his privacy and he doesn't want to be associated with us. But I met Kyle, I don't know if it was like two years ago uh, at church. And after I started talking to him, I realized that we might be the two worst people at that church. So, <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, it was a good day when Tom showed up. I was like, okay, I, I don't have to leave this church. You know, yeah. just, there's another guy here just for the donuts. <laughs> yeah. That's the Krispy Kreme church, right? No. Well, so our pastor is a big Krispy Kreme guy, uh-huh. um, <clears throat> but naturally, because we're smart, we only have... Square donuts in okay. the building every Sunday, well, except for two was, weeks out of the year. Casey's. I think that's the church. I went. I visited one time, and the whole service was about Krispy Kreme donuts. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. We handed you one as you walked in or yeah. walked out. Yeah, yeah. And yeah I was, was like, "What in the, the world?" The sermon was about Krispy the, the Kreme the whole donuts thing too? was about. Well, the songs yeah. were about Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> He was using Krispy Kreme donuts as a metaphor for, I think, the love of God. Mm-hmm. It was a special occasion thing, and I just happened to show up for it. And I was like, this is the weirdest church I've ever been to. Brandon said, I'm glad I missed it. It's a good day to come, yeah. Brandon. said, I'm glad I missed the broccoli Sunday." <laughs> yeah, asparagus. Yeah. No, so I realized, uh, as I got to talk to Kyle, that he was verbalizing some of my <laughs> inner thoughts that I usually tried to keep to myself. And so it was kind of a... Uh, cathartic, I guess you could say, mm. uh, to, to hear somebody else saying stuff like that. Uh, but we're not here to just be horrible people. I mean, we can do that too, but uh, we talked about your transition uh, into realty. So we've talked about the overall theme of this show is three guys in their 30s talking about, you know, just life in general. Are we doing this right? And you're a little bit older than the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. You You have about three... You had about 350-some days at this point, well, no, 40-some days to be uh, talking to someone still in their 30s, because I just turned 39 about 
two weeks. Oh, ago. man, he wouldn't even be eligible to do the show in a couple <laughs> yeah. of weeks. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, about a year from now, I wouldn't even be qualified to be on the show. So yeah, If we ever have you back, we'll put in like a, a <laughs> stair lift, one of those things you can ride up and down the stairs on. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll accommodate you. Uh, so you're just barely, we're all kind of, Beef, you just cracked the 30s, what, earlier this summer? Turned thirty one in twenty twenty one, yeah. This year, yeah. <laughs> Beef, you just or Brandon, you just turned thirty two. Mm-hmm. I'll be thirty two in about a month, so yeah, we're all in our thirties. You just you've had a little more experience, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess I'm the elder here, so I can just you know give some words of wisdom and be you know say enjoy your thirties, I guess, <laughs> while uh, you still can, while you still can, and all that all that cliche stuff that everybody always tells you while they do everything wrong all the time and yeah. try to tell you don't do you know enjoy this don't do that unsolicited advice that's what you're here <laughs> so for. when he quits selling real estate and starts selling medicaid we'll we'll have him back <laughs> on the show for that yeah if your knees start aching let me know i'll know that there's a change in weather coming too so your body definitely starts to betray you in your 30s <laughs> I, I can't imagine like late in the game in the 30s because my 32nd birthday was a couple weeks ago I was all excited. I had the day off. I had four free golf passes, and I was like, I'm playing golf all freaking day. And I hurt my back the night before my birthday. (laughs) So I literally am so old that I didn't get to do on my birthday what I wanted to do because I hurt my back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, my early 30s, that was when my back was like, you can't be swinging a metal stick all the time. It's not going to work out. When so. I play ni- oh, when I play nine holes of golf, I'm sore for about three days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely something to. There's also something. That's because to- you have to swing the club 180 times to <laughs> yeah, play nine holes. Yeah, that was probably my problem. I, I definitely took a lot more strokes than the average average golfer. So um, if you hit the ball every time you swing, it's a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah, slightly, slightly. But uh, there is something to the, you know, they say a man is at his prime at 33. I would say for me that kind of spoke true. I was in, I was on Facebook the other day, and I saw a picture of a guy that's like 52-ish. I'm trying to figure out how to say this without <laughs> <laughs> pointing out who he is. Or anything. But he was not in the best of shape mm-hmm. at that age. And then, like, the next thing that I scrolled down to was The Rock, and I was like, he's also 52 and I was like, you can either be the guy on the left or the guy on the right. Like, it's like a slim, fast commercial to before and, and after. You're pretty much at the, the last chance to make that decision. That's why I got a total gym. It's like I wanted to stay in shape, but I also kind of accepted, accepted where I am in life. Because if you watch those total gym infomercials, it's always either like a hot, yeah, or a hot, like 40 year something woman Hot looking dude is that what you're <laughs> it's either like a woman in her 40s who's in fantastic shape or it's a man in his 70s <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah the men are always like my name's dustin he's like i realized when all of my friends passed away that i needed to take care of myself so i, <laughs> so I was like i can do the total gym i can yeah i can keep up with these guys so <laughs> i was always afraid to touch the total gym because it was invented by uh chuck norris who's yeah. just he's notoriously just like you know the biggest badass on the planet. So I was like, there's no way I can do a total gym. You know, that's, that's it. It would just like, yeah. Break every bone in your body instantaneously. <laughs> yeah. What's the, what's the, uh, Chuck Norris joke where every piece of furniture in Chuck Norris's house is total gym or something. Yeah. Like <laughs> when was the last time one of you guys took off in a dead sprint? Sometimes I run fast when I'm running, but I wouldn't call it a dead sprint. <laughs> I had the need to take off in a dead sprint the other day. 
found out I no longer capable of that. <laughs> like, what was at the end of this dead sprint? Was it like a porta potty? Or? I don't even remember what the reasoning for it was, but I was like, I need to take off. And like, I got the first like three hard steps in, and my body's like, you're about to pull like 14 muscles. <laughs> like, you, you just got a random thought that you needed to take off. On no, it, it was for a reason, but I don't remember what it was. I remember the way my body felt when. I attempted to do it. Occasionally, I will take off after one of my dogs just playing in the yard, like kind of jump at him. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm, in, I'm, I'm not in terrible shape, but my body quickly tells me it's like, don't run too long. <laughs> you know? Your brain still thinks it can do it, but then, yeah, it's, it's uh, like we said, it's tough getting older. Mm-hmm. So, is that part of the reason why you decided to make this uh, career change that we we kind of talked about? Because I know you were doing a really physical job that you spent a lot of hours at yeah getting older was definitely a big uh part of that for sure um working outside you name it things how many like that. how many hours is a typical shift in the boiler makers um when i first got in there was a lot of jobs that were scheduled for eight to twelve weeks uh generally uh seven days a week 12 hours a day and then as time kind of went on money got a lot tighter in these powerhouses and it kind of started dwindling down to like six tens and the jobs were typically more like eight weeks mm-hmm. so while you were working as a boilermaker um were you pursuing your realtor license at that point also yeah towards the towards the very end there yeah it took it the course is mm-hmm. one year and it, it took me the solid year to do the course for sure so you would work it wouldn't be that unusual to work 12 hours a day, seven days a week for eight to 12 weeks. Correct. So you didn't have a a day off in that stretch? No, you would work uh, either, either night shift or day shift. And you would be either most time out of town. There was very few jobs that were in town. So you're doing this all out of a hotel room, uh, motel, I guess, not a hotel. (laughs) He was really (laughs) living it up if he was uh, in a hotel, you know, the four seasons. No, (laughs) you were staying in probably some pretty crummy joints, weren't you? I've stayed in some pretty crummy joints and I've stayed in some, Joints that looked pretty crummy, but were pretty decent. And then I've also on short-term gigs, I've just decided uh, to get a roommate, and we've and we've kind of got the money together to just say, hey, we're going to live comfortably out of town on this job because those would typically be more towards the end of the season, and we had more money in the bank at that point. What's that place in Clinton called uh, that offers the free HBO? It used to be the Renato Inn. Renato I think in, one yeah. of my uh, relatives actually built that, and it was. I think it used to be a nice hotel. But when I delivered pizza for Papa John's, every time I delivered pizza there, there was always a trucker with a big smile on his face and some woman looking slightly ashamed, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> so, <laughs> it doesn't have the best reputation now. I think it's called the Royal King now. Yeah, I think now the people that stay at places like that, they typically don't eat or uh, or sleep. <laughs> so, uh, They've got other... Yeah, you're probably not delivering much there. Extracurricular activities, yeah. yeah. I don't even need the bed, just give me the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be sleeping either. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, so that schedule, obviously, that, that's interesting that you asked that, Brandon, because I hadn't thought about that. That's Even if it's not that hard, working 12 hours a day seven days a week for eight to 12 weeks, even if the work itself yeah, wasn't that physically demanding. No, I'm saying even, <laughs> <laughs> even if the work wasn't that physically demanding, that's still a lot on your body, just that 
Boilermaker is a pretty physically demanding job, yeah. though, right? It's usually pretty hot, too, also, right? Yeah, I mean... I think you get pretty uh, burnt out. Yeah, you get burnt out really quick. I mean, you're you're dealing with a bunch of, number one, alpha males. Um, oh. You're dealing with construction workers. I mean, we're not the most professional <laughs> people uh we don't we, we don't say hey sir can i borrow that hammer uh you know that's not how it works uh, there are some really good people out there there's some really different great... conversations than you would be having at church right yes yes there's there's some good people out there for sure um but they it is hard work it's dangerous work and you have to be on point all the time i mean you can get hurt at just about any time uh in the powerhouse and and it gets stressful. It catches up with you real fast. So at the risk of sounding stupid, which I do usually every show anyway, but... <laughs> There's not much risk. <laughs> <laughs> How do you make a boil? No. <laughs> um, you're, you're, always, you're always working on like pipe fittings, right? Or something like those. And is it like steam or something? Is it like the same type of... See, I said I was going to sound stupid. I'm willing to sound stupid mm. so that we can educate our listeners. <laughs> But like when you said it can be dangerous, like there's a lot of pressure involved and stuff like that that makes it that can be part of the danger, right? Very few and far between do you work on something that's pressurized. It's okay. OSHA, all these things uh, come into play on things like that. You can't work on anything that's pressurized, um, and mm. anything that has to do with OSHA is written in blood. But uh, and then to really touch on something when it comes to um, boilermakers and pipe fitters, I wanted to, everybody always for years thought i was a pipe fitter even if i'd tell them even if they knew me for 15 years and i tell them i'm a boilermaker every time they'd always say hey how's the pipe fitters so anytime you say a pipe fitting you know boilermakers would yell at you and say no that's a tube so uh <laughs> just uh, in case in case by chance you know one of my boilermaker buddies listens to this i have to represent yeah i gotta okay. you know i gotta, so the boilermakers gotta lay that are down better than the pipe fitters huh? uh i'm gonna put you on spot yeah so <laughs> I never was one of those people that kind of had that mindset, maybe when I was younger, but the older I got, you know, but no, uh, both, both trades are very, very good, very skilled. The big thing that I took away from Sounds all this like is I worked, I don't know, 80 hours a week for know, a year and a half, pretty much. And, uh, I went home to my house every night and saw my girlfriend and my dogs and slept in my bed and. I was just thinking about doing that and going back to a mediocre hotel and like not having family there to see and mm-hmm. and how much worse it would probably be to work those kind of hours and and not have the like comfort of your own home to go to. Yeah, you know it's weird that you say that because he liked it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I will be honest. There there are people that they live they live for that lifestyle. Um, <laughs> notoriously in that industry it's a joke but it's also true that there's you get divorced <laughs> remarried a lot mm-hmm. you know things like that happen but sometimes to some aspect it's easier to go on those jobs where you're out of town and you don't come home and you have to <laughs> answer all those questions to your wife or you know there's not that ab- there's not that ob- obligation to still be dad and father so it is kind of easier but that's a selfish way to look at it because somewhere you know out there everybody's wives and kids are kind of missing coming you. home to mow the grass and you're fix correct. the sink and yes yep mm-hmm. go to ball practice yep and you're not expected to at that's, least i wasn't but yeah as far as the schedules go uh with the boilermakers versus being a realtor is there more of a steadiness you know in the realtor industry or 
as you say, uh, with your work schedule? They're very, very similar. Very similar. You can work 80 hours a week as a real estate agent, um, for sure. And, and I do a lot. <laughs> they're very, <laughs> they're very similar in a lot of ways. The stress is there. The stress of, uh, you know, bodily injuries, not there in real estate, but, uh, the stress of just keeping all of your clients happy and everything on time and all of the timelines and contracts and everything. So <laughs> I jumped out of, uh, the frying pan into the fire almost. So is it a goal for you to, you and your wife do this together at some point or? It definitely could work and it could be a good thing. My wife used to have a job at another place where it made a lot more sense for her to quit that job and do this. And now where she's at, she gets treated very well and she likes it there. So it, the pressure is not there uh, and and the want to do it isn't there as much. So. I was just thinking about me and my girlfriend and <laughs> trying to manage a business with her. Yeah. And I think domestic violence would <laughs> come into yeah. play. Yeah, as we got (laughs) as we got into an argument last week on how to uh, smoke a pork butt in in the smoker for a family event, I'm like, maybe we shouldn't work together. (laughs) We uh, are getting ready to start a remodeling project at our house, and it's going to be a rather large one. We were at Menards; they have a thing right now where you can get a credit card and get 48 months zero percent APR, so it's basically a 48 month loan. So we're going to try to buy everything all at one time. So we can basically get a free loan. So we're like figuring stuff out. Well, the upstairs is going to be pretty tricky to get drywall up to. And it's going to be around 220 sheets of drywall we need. And I don't want to carry it up there. So I'm trying to figure out (laughs) a different way to go. Now I'm looking at options and she was like, drywall $7. And it's like $26 a piece for what you're trying to do. And she was like, you really want to spend that? I was like, you want to carry the freaking drywall? Because I was like, it's heavy. And she's like, it can't be that bad. You can call your friends and have them come over. And I was like, even if I get 10 friends, that's still 20 trips a piece. Carrying drywall is stressful. (laughs) And then, like, it's upstairs, so you have to snake it through, like, our front room into the bedroom and then down the hallway and then up the stairs and make a corner at the top of the stairs. And, you know, then you knock it into something, take a chunk out of it. I think you need to uh, record all this and make an HGTV show. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We probably could have made money off of the conversation we had at Bernard's. You guys are like a house hunters couple. (laughs) (laughs) Arguing about This was after we had been to Mexican for dinner, and she had had a daiquiri, and I had had a margarita, and she's kind of a lightweight, so she was a little (laughs) extra mouthy than normal. You know what I hate about you? (laughs) Before we talk about actually being in real estate can you tell us what was it what was it actually like because i like to think that there are people listening to this that are thinking about moving to something else like brandon says it during his segment a lot he's always got you know some ideas rolling around his head he's always kind of trying out different things what was your schedule actually like how did you logistically go from um transitioning in the boiler makers to getting certified or getting licensed as a realtor to where you could actually start doing that it's kind of hard, really, even now at this point, <laughs> to remember exactly what you did. Yeah, did, were you able to use those long breaks, basically? Or yeah, so like I said, you you work for a very long time, and then you get laid off. And the the last thing you want to do when you get laid off is hit the books, you know. And you're obviously trying to make up for lost time. You're there. Kind of comes that point. It was a little easier in the winter because it's winter and you can't do anything. So um, it was easier to hit the books at that point. Yeah. But um, it wasn't hard. It wasn't a hard process. You can do it all online. They send you the books. It's about 
total cost even after you get your license is around $700. Oh, know, really? All in. Uh, just to get to the license part, now once you join the association and get with a the company, there's some costs that you have to uh, incur there. But other than that, getting to that point wasn't expensive, and it, it really wasn't that hard, but there's a lot to know in real estate, just like any other job. I've had a lot of people tell me that real estate's a good like option to get into um, and had people say, oh, that's a career you should look into. So I didn't know if somebody had suggested it to you or if you knew somebody that did it or... Um, no, like I said, I, I just kind of worked with the, the two agents and I started thinking about it then. And then I had the time on my hands to just do it. It was fairly inexpensive, like I just said. So I had the time on my hands to, to pursue it. And then once I did it, it was just, it was just one of those things where it was like, okay, now that I hit this point, I guess it's time to go take the license test. And then from there, then once I got my license, I was like, well, maybe I can find a place that'll let me kind of work part time. And I was able to do that. And then, uh, yeah, so I've been in three years. And then the last three years, the market has changed dramatically. Every year, it's been different every year that I've been in. And it's been very strong. So it just kind of happened really quickly. And uh, it's just like anything else. You get out of it what you put in. And uh, as long as you're doing something every day, you're going to make something of it. You're not going to have a winning day every day. Do you miss like that? Because with realtors, a lot of your stuff is that you have to do is after hours, right? So do you ever miss the thought of like with the Boilermakers when you got home, you were off, like you were totally off work, right? Do you ever miss that clean break? Yeah, I do. I do miss that. Uh, there's there's a, a lot of things about it that I miss for sure. Um, in real estate, you're always on call. I mean, hmm. you could always be doing so. I could be doing something right now. It's Sunday. I typically don't like to do a lot of things on Sunday, but there's some things that you have to do, and I will do those things. For the most part, you could always be looking for somebody the next house. <laughs> you know, you could always be scanning the market, always looking for something. So that can start to wear on you. You can get burnt out really quick doing that. And it's a commission-based job, correct? So it behooves you to be, you know, Active on Sunday. Right. Broke out the word of the day toilet paper again. (laughs) Yeah. Do you like that beef? Hooves. Yeah. I mean, it does in a way. Uh, Obviously, Tom and I met at church, so we're both Christians. We both understand that God says, you know, take this day off. And (laughs) when you get really busy, you realize how important that is. And no matter what background you have like that. It's very important to take a day off. You need to have a rest or you, you're you not doing anybody any good. Mm-hmm. You're not doing your clients any good if you if you run yourself to death. A good horse, they always say a good horse is a horse, you know, you can ride it till it dies, but then how good's the horse once mm-hmm. it's dead, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I think this could be uh, Brandon's next side hustle here. Real estate? I don't know. I, don't yeah. know. I got a bunch of them going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Brandon, we had to schedule today's episode partly around... Yeah, I know you don't like the word side hustle, but you got a photography job this today, right? Yep. Yep. I'm going to do that after I leave here. So so what's it like to sit here and talk to somebody who's like totally switched to a full-time job? It's kind of exciting to see that, you know, somebody's been able to, to take something kind of like I have done with this and do it kind of slowly and see them be able to, you know, turn that into their full source of income. Yeah, real estate's not as exotic is like photography or writing full-time or doing something like that but there's a lot of people that try real estate and fizzle out pretty quick probably right 
Yeah, and there's still agents um, now that have been doing it for a lot longer than I have and are still considered part-time or consider themselves part-time. So, like I said, if you you just decide that you're going to put all your energy into it, it can be you know, whatever you want it to be. And, and it's all about luck, just like anything else. I've had some, I've had some luck come my way, but also I've had a lot of disappointment in my short three years in the business. I mean, if you, if you're not comfortable with disappointment, you can't get into real estate. Brandon asked about commission. You don't have to like tell us anything if it makes you uncomfortable, but just in theory, is it like 6% or 3%? What's the typical realtor fee? And then how much of that would typically go to you? If we used a house that sold for like $150,000, can you just give us like the average of what the breakdown is and what that might mean you actually make in the end? Yeah, so it's actually um, somewhat illegal to say what. <laughs> so everybody, it's kind of like gas prices. Well, I'll put it in that analogy. Gas prices we can't have our commission split be the same as another company's just because we know that's what theirs are. That's called price gouging. Oh, because otherwise somebody could undercut everyone else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I would say. Is I mean, there like an industry average that you could safely say or something along those lines? I would say you probably, since you said what you said, it's kind of common knowledge uh, based on market conditions and oh, okay. everything that, that you're within the ballpark there. So okay. If, so, Kyle, I know for me, like, one big thing is, like, not feeling stuck where I'm at in life and that I have to do this job forever. And one of the big things we talk about on here is, you know, should a guy in his early 30s be doing real estate? Do you think it's a good job for someone to transition to if they're they're not digging what they're doing now? Or, or would you not advise that? I would say that if you want to do real estate and you're thinking hard about doing real estate, just give it a shot. If you look at America as a whole, I mean, we have people from other countries that come over here and seven of them live in an apartment for 10 years and they all work at a Seven Eleven. and at the end of that 10 years, they all own those. Mm-hmm. So there's opportunity out there for everyone to do whatever it is. And if it's not your thing, it's not a failure. There's nothing wrong with trying something new and it may work out for you and it may not. I'm doing pretty good right now, but next year could be a different story in this country for sure. You know what I mean? That's just the way our market is. And the market's is. up right now, right? I mean, the yeah, the market's something. Um <laughs> yeah, the market is definitely something. I mean, it's it's up right now. And but houses are going like crazy, right? They're going like crazy for sure. It's it's a I won't say it's a dog fight out there on every house. Um you have to do your work, do your due diligence, and and try to get the best deal for your client. But at the same time, don't let them lose the deal. So you're kind of stuck in that. You know, they're like, what what should we offer? And, you know, all of those things. So that's a tricky tight so road to walk. So is it a buyer's market or a seller's market? Because I always hear people say, like, oh, houses are falling. You know, you've talked about selling your house and, and doing that. And maybe now is a good time, but it's also – you know, if it's a good time to sell, then it's not necessarily the best time to buy, correct? You described that perfectly. Um, people ask me all the time, well, now's a good time to sell my house. And I'm like, yeah, but you got to turn around and buy one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> you go from being um, on the good side of the fence to the bad side of the fence really quick. And then if you have two houses right now, then you're in a good situation <laughs> to sell. Yeah, one. if you have two houses, sell the most expensive <laughs> one, downsize. <laughs> yeah. Let's say it'd be the perfect time. 
for maybe like an older couple that wants to move into like a condo or something like that or do they have uh condos in park county i think they do in rockville maybe <laughs> yeah i'm sure they do i'm not real familiar with park county i work primarily in vigo county sold a few in vermilion and clay there's a there's a saying in real estate that goes uh, the best time to buy real estate is yesterday so because you never know what the market's going to do tomorrow so if it even looks like it's a good time to sell or buy i know that's yesterday brandon knows all about that with his crypto <laughs> yeah i think it's a little bit different mm-hmm. but fluctuating yeah i'm i'm down about 49 dollars right now on uh on dogecoin we won't talk about <laughs> being down yeah we could we could talk about we could have a whole episode on on that later for we sure. are in a buying opportunity right now <laughs> so, somebody's considering if they if they really just hate their job and they're pretty sure that they want to move into something else just what would you say to them just in terms of like things you wish you'd known or just maybe some encouragement that you could give them uh, i mean just like anything, you you want to have a little bit of a nest egg saved back. You want to have some money in the bank, uh, especially if you have a family, a family man like myself. I, want, I, had, I need to have some money saved back because you don't want to just d- dive into something recklessly. You need to have a good game plan. You need to have confidence in yourself to be able to do it. And if you think you can and you have enough people around you telling you that you think you can, that's really important. And uh, that's one place where I'm very lucky is people told me that they thought I could do it. And I had a great support. My family's been great. My wife's been great. Yeah, here we are three years later, and I'm working just almost as much, probably more most of the time, than I was (laughs) in the Boilermaker without those three-month stretches off. But you get to see your family every night. I do get to see my family every night, and they're not always happy about that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But... uh, this is supposed to be the land of opportunity, right? You're, this is supposed to be the country where if you want to go do something, you can do it, and you totally can. you got to have a game plan. You can't just be reckless about it, but you can totally do it, and there's no reason that if you feel it in your heart you want to do it, then you should do it. And as long as you have the support from your wife, and she says, okay, I think we can. You yeah. Know, you, both, you, you might have to sit down with the checkbook. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I think the confidence part of that that you hit on is – is a big thing in believing in yourself that you can do it because there's a lot of people I think that think about taking a chance like that, but they don't believe in themselves. And I, I just feel like then it's a bad idea. Like if you don't think you can do it yourself, then you know, other people probably aren't going to believe in you either. To go back to like the union aspect, 15 years ago when I got into the union, um, I had no confidence. I, I just kind of, I got lucky there as well getting into that. People can say what they want to about unions. It's the same thing. It's you get out of it what you put in. The union taught me a lot. I got a college degree out of it. Uh, the type of work I did created a lot of confidence in me. <laughs> maybe maybe too much. If you've ever ran into some of these union guys, they're a little overconfident. You know, the guys <laughs> at the bar sitting there drinking with their welding cap on because they're so proud that they're a welder. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I laugh at those guys, uh, but they're all great guys. Uh, some of them have some personal uh, personality uh, quirks. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, the the union definitely helped me in that way. But uh, maybe I'm just one of those people where everything runs its course. You know, I I do get bored with things very fast. I got bored with doing that kind of lifestyle. It was fun for a while, and it was time to move on. And I might get bored with this. You never know. But in the end, everything you do, you're going to gain 
whatever you learned from what you just did, you're going to be able to apply in life. So just, you've only got so many days on this planet. So do as much as you can responsibly, I guess. I think (laughs) you would probably agree. This generation is different than our parents' generation too. Like my grandpa worked 48 years at the same place. My dad spent uh, close to 40 at the same place. Um, but companies took care of people better back then. I feel like, and you had a, you know, something to work for in the end. I worked two years at the factory that my dad spent his whole career at and hated every minute of it and realized really quick, this isn't for me. Went back to the restaurant, make more money there than I did slaving away at the factory and, you know, work a lot better hours. And and if it doesn't work out, I won't be afraid to try something else. For our generation, you have to do what makes sense for you and your family. If that means moving on every three or four years to something better, like I think that makes sense as opposed to, spending 40 years with the same place and and them not really doing anything for you it's interesting i think it is a land of opportunity it's interesting when you think about guys that you went to high school with like i think i got voted most likely to succeed and i don't say that to brag because there are many guys i went to high school with that are making more money (laughs) than i am right now so it's like it's just interesting to think about all these different career paths that are available to people and how different people get motivated and they excel in different areas and stuff like that i wish that some of that stuff would have been you know, kind of taught in high school. Like, I wish somebody would have showed me how to invest in the stock market when I was 18. I wish I would have learned more about taxes and some of those things that I haven't really used pre-calculus too much <laughs> since, you know, high school, but I would have used how to like play the stock market. And as yeah. a guy that 31 decided to get into that, mm-hmm. it had been interesting more to me for skills. a long time, but it finally became a possibility through things like Robin Hood and, you know, these apps that were able to make it easier to. Instead, they're teaching kids to do math and they're adding six stupid steps that don't make yeah. any sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's not get started on that because well, I'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> there's another episode yeah. in itself for sure. Uh, like I touched on earlier, Tom and I agree about a lot of things, but he knows my opinions on uh, on the public school Yeah, system. public education. I, yeah. I, I did not do very well in, in the uh, socialism experiment formerly known as the public education system. um, Well, there's another, there's a friend of ours we went to high school with. He's got his own business now. We'd like to have him on as a guest. And just to me. We have a couple of friends that have their own businesses now. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking of one specifically that graduated with us that I was thinking. Well, yeah. Multiple. Right. Yeah, you're right. Um, And they weren't exactly all-star students, but you go to their house now and it's like, they're doing all right for themselves. <laughs> well, and to touch on what you just kind of said, you know, about how you were voted to be most successful, but then there's other people that are more successful. At 39 years old, I've realized, especially as hard as I've been working and what I'm doing, that there's a big difference between how big your house is, how successful you are, and how happy you are. So mm-hmm. just because somebody has a lot of money in the bank and they got all the fancy cars and they're the you know you walk in their house and they got that picture on the wall of their family sitting in the in the field of flowers you know all smiling and acting like they're happy <laughs> that doesn't mean that they are you they know all shoot I mean? up after the photo shoots <laughs> yeah. so um yes money and success are two totally different things for sure why'd you hit on that because yeah. when i was working two jobs i was far from rich but i felt like i had pretty much the money to do what i wanted to do um within reason and then I've also been a guy who at one time worked around 32 hours a week and made a pretty good chunk of money on the weekend and then didn't have to work as much through the week. 
And there were times where I think I was a lot happier being the guy that worked 32 hours a week because I had time to go play golf and ride my motorcycle and mm-hmm. drive my car and, and do fun things as opposed to just making money. There's a lot of cliches in the construction industry, and one of them is I work to live. I don't live to work. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a difference between money and success. And for me, being happy is a success no matter how much money I have. Maybe I'll run into you. I won't see you for 10 years, and then you'll come back and you're dressed like a Tibetan monk or something. Say, <laughs> <laughs> I found true success. <laughs> yeah. True happiness. Yeah. And then we'll do another follow-up episode. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, I appreciate that, your thoughts on that, because who knows who listens to the show and what stage they are in life. But I think there's things in there that apply to most everybody. But now let's talk about us, the real reason you're here. <laughs> Tom told us. That you have listened to every episode of the BBT show. I have. From day one when I was listening, I was like, I wish I was there. You know, I wish I, I got an opinion because I'm very, I'm a very opinionated person and I like my own opinion. <laughs> yeah. And if nobody's been able to tell, I, I am good at talking. I do like to talk and maybe there's, maybe I need to see a psychiatrist or something about that. But uh, maybe that, that'll be another episode there too. Yeah, or a therapy episode. <laughs> That's one of the things that I think is cool about a podcast and, and made me want to do one was when you listen to one, you're like, man, I could probably do that. Or, like, I have an opinion on that. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels like a conversation that sometimes you're a part of even when you're not. So, yeah. yeah you ever just talk back that. to the <laughs> car speakers when you're in there, like, no, Tom, God. This is actually the sixth BBT show he's done. <laughs> <laughs> but just the first one that's first been one recorded. We've, we've heard. <laughs> yeah. Real quick, we're going to use this as a way to kind of mark our milestone of 10 episodes. So thinking about the last 10 episodes, the last 10, <laughs> our first 10 episodes, <laughs> um, is there anything that specifically stands out to you that you're like, man, I just really, I've been waiting to say this. This is your chance. Well, so, you know, every episode that you guys have had, uh, because I know you, so a lot of the things resonated, you know, and I really like when Brandon beats up on you about <laughs> Being a tight ass and, you know, wearing Hawaiian shirts. Because <laughs> I wear them to church, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you uh, wear the dad sandals there, too? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was a – I was at the coffee bar at our church, and there was a guy, like, in his 70s wearing a Hawaiian shirt, and I was wearing one, too. Yeah. I was like, I like your shirt. And mm-hmm. his wife was like, oh, where did you get yours? That's nice fabric. <laughs> mm. I almost ran off the road right out – Right out here in front of Tom's house a while back because I went by when he was mowing. Have you ever seen that? I heard this story. Actually. <laughs> oh, I didn't wow. realize it was you, but I, I, yeah. you told me that you said that. <laughs> I mean, so number one, he's on like the Grandpa Edition Cub Cadet, you know, like the one that the old <laughs> the white man, and yellow one, the white and yellow one, you know, that the old man would go out and buy. He's got on like one of those uh, safari looking well, yep, hats. I know that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, he's got on his cheap <laughs> sunglasses. The only thing that would have made it better is if he would have had on a straight build hat. But um, does he have a fan, does he have a fanny pack on? I don't know if he had the fanny pack on, but he had those great big. Uh, he had those great big headphones that like mm-hmm. cover your whole ear with the antenna. <laughs> with the antenna, because by God, he's too cheap to have Bluetooth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listening to AM radio. Uh, you know. <laughs> cut off T-shirt. Uh, I I don't remember the shirt. I was I'm naturally a 
pretty fast driver, so I was humming along pretty good. <laughs> was all good. observed at 60 miles And an it was hour. perfect timing. He was coming up over out of his yard, up over across the driveway, so just like popped up over the horizon <laughs> perfectly for me to be able to see all that. And I was like, oh, my God. I was crying. It was great. We did a, a picture for uh, our first episode, and we called it Dude vs. Dad. And I told Tom, I was like, just go in and dress like you normally would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't disappoint. <laughs> Although we talked about the fanny pack. My wife and I went up to Wisconsin last weekend. We stayed with some friends in Madison. Well, the University of Wisconsin's in Madison, and we didn't mean to, but we'd inadvertently gotten closer and closer to the campus while we were just walking around the shops and stuff. And as we got closer to campus, I saw more fanny packs. Like <laughs> almost every young college girl that I saw out there had some form of a fanny pack on. I think it's because pockets aren't fashionable for pants anymore so they're just like well instead of figuring out a way to put pockets back in pants we'll just <laughs> he, <laughs> everybody he did wear say young college girl had fanny pack. all right i was just making sure what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> he's justifying his fanny pack yeah. by saying he saw a oh, lot yeah. <laughs> of young college girls with fanny packs on you could also make the case that tom was like a young college girl because he <laughs> enjoys starbucks and has no, that's beef has sandals and <laughs> beef you're the basic one at starbucks aren't you Oh, I love me some Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> they have a lot of Starbucks out there in Hawaii. I believe Hawaii has the most coffee shops per like one thousand people in the nation. Wow! I just heard that on the radio. I would the other not day. have guessed that. No, it doesn't make sense because spam shops, but not yeah. coffee shop. <laughs> everybody seems so laid back down there. Is it all the Japanese tourists? <laughs> Are they keeping the coffee shops in business? Everybody gets their coffee in the morning. Yeah, I just figured that Hawaii is on typical island time, and I've I've been in enough tropical areas to know that uh, people are on when they're on island time, they don't get in a hurry about anything. Do you deal a lot with that out there, where people are just kind of so laid back that <laughs> everybody shows up fifteen twenty minutes late to every appointment? And yeah, there's definitely those people that are like that, and then some businesses like that that you got to work with and. You just kind of get used to it, you know. You don't get a response back in a couple of days or a week or something, and like, oh, it must be on island time. <laughs> At least you're from the Midwest, where people are slightly more laid back. If you're from New York City or something like that, I imagine it'd yeah. be hard to adjust. Yeah, it would. It would kill oh, them. Yeah. So, uh, I like how you basically said how you like Brandon beat up on me for being a tight ass and then you spent 10 minutes beating up on me for fashion so well I mean <laughs> it's okay <laughs> most of our most of our relationship you know our friendship kind of each other. is kind of just beating up on each other for the things that we're very similar about yeah uh, uh you know things that we have in common so so that um, was the uh the fashion episode where People realized I'm not a well, hypocrite. You can't be as much of a tight ass as Tom because you have Under Armour shoes on, Levi jeans, so Tom wouldn't pay for that. Well, yeah, so maybe I'm not as big of a tight ass as Tom, but uh, uh, so what you're looking at here is any shoe at Academy Sports that is on sale for about $50 will go on my feet shortly. Um, anytime my wife gets Cole's cash. I mean, he is just like Tom. Old, old dad gets him a new pair of jeans. and He doesn't even buy him himself. Yeah, and this 
I mean, technically, this shirt cost me eighteen hundred dollars because I got it by going on a mission trip okay. to Belize. So <laughs> that was the only free thing I got, other than the food. <laughs> once oh, I was eighteen hundred dollars. He's a he's a shirt head, like a sneaker head. Yeah, <laughs> a limited edition drop. <laughs> yeah, I just realized I was wearing a free T shirt, so I was like, "What you're looking at here?" Um, you know, I got Under Armour socks on that I get at Sam's, you know, in the big packs. That are Dude, the Sam's, like, clothing. I don't know how they can sell. They sell Callaway poles for $24 when they're 90 from Callaway. Mm-hmm. They've got the Under Armour t-shirts for 12 bucks instead of 45 mm-hmm. And it's the same stuff. Anytime I go into Sam's, especially in the summertime, and I'm wearing shorts, like I could be accused of shoplifting because I bought everything I'm wearing there, there. <laughs> except for the <laughs> shoes. They'd be like, "Sir, <laughs> is it possible to go to Sam's Club and not spend a hundred dollars?" No, I don't think I've ever done it. Beef? They don't ha- do they have Sam's Club in Hawaii? I know you're a Costco guy, right? Yeah, I'm a Costco guy, but yeah, we got one Sam's Club and then about four or five Costco. So, how much do you spend on average? You think in Costco? Ooh, probably about two hundred bucks. Sometimes like uh, three hundred. That's just the tax, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> shipping everything over there. I'll say, keep in mind, Beef is married, but with no kids yet in the house and just an apartment. So, if they're spending three hundred bucks, that's probably like all food and clothes, right? <laughs> Yeah. When you walk into a yeah, store, I mean, that, that'll last us the whole month, though. Oh, okay. So. When you walk into a store over there, do they automatically just make you hand them a hundred dollar bill, and they're like, "That's just for the tax to get everything into the store. Feel free to buy whatever you want right. now." <laughs> yeah, we talked about the uh, yeah the shipping tax and all that. What are they call the boat? Tax. Yeah, the boat tax. Yep. That was on an episode. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, that was on eating out. <laughs> what's uh, what's been your favorite episode, Kyle? Favorite episode, I did. I loved your story on the uh, guy that shoots himself out of the cannon. I can't think of his name. Uh, I think about oh, it. it was yeah. Dave the Bullet Smith, yep. right? Dave, Dave the Bullet Smith. Yep. And the bullet. oddly enough, I heard his name again on another podcast. I don't want to say it was like Rogan or anything. Cause it it might have been a big one because we found out the day after we did that episode that he... The new Jackass movie featuring his <laughs> cannon shooting Johnny Knoxville out of it. So, so it, may, it may have been like Rogan or something. I heard that again within two weeks of hearing that episode. So something I had never heard of before, you know how it is. Like when you're trying to shop for a car, mm-hmm. that's all you see on the road after that. Yeah. But um, video games, you guys talked about video games. Um, I am probably not, by your guys' standards, a, a gamer. But uh, I did play quite a few video games when I was younger. I remember I almost wore out the the disc. Tiger Woods, what was it, 1999? Tiger Woods 99? Oh, yeah. yeah, I used to play that a lot. Get on the fairway. Get on the fairway! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, the one where you, you like, laid the controller down on your leg and you mm-hmm. tapped the spin button as fast as you could to get, you know, the most loft out of the ball. You always, like push it as hard as you can to like mm-hmm. even though you know that it like only so much pressure works and 150 pounds of pressure and it's <laughs> go faster yeah this has been the very first time that i haven't had the new console as an adult when it came out well to be fair even if you wanted it you, know, you might not be able to get it i have a switch now oh yeah beef you i heard on the last podcast that you were buying a switch have you been playing it yeah, yeah. I don't know how old that is now or since the release date. Uh, it's four years old. Kind of new, four yeah. Four and a half. 
four years. Okay. So <laughs> right on top of things like always. But no, it's the first current generation console Beef's had, I think, since I came over to his house in fourth grade to play the N64. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Uh, we appreciate the fact that you listen to the first 10 episodes. Sometimes people are like, hey, listen to your show. And then I see him again. They're like, you're still doing the podcast? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> obviously, they're not listening. But That's okay. People, they'll be out there. People can always come back when they want. Um so do you guys have a way to track that or like how many people are listening? Yeah. Yeah. We, we do. We can tell you after the show's over. <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought you might be more willing to do it after we told you. Yeah, that. I wondered so. if I was calling you guys out on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but yeah. It's Brit- illegal for us to tell you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 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 It's price gouging. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's funny. So you said that there were a lot of times where you were like, oh, I have an opinion on that. Was there anything that we talked about that you were like, someone said, and you were like, man, I wish I could argue with them right now? Or Yeah, I mean, well, unfortunately, I had a little bit of a short notice on coming on the podcast. <laughs> Last night. <laughs> like 24 hours ago. Um, so I didn't have time to make notes. I was actually at a church barbecue that we put on last night. Tom texted me, so I was serving up food and saying yes at the same time. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, although you guys are a little younger than I am, we're still kind of in that same realm. You guys are experiencing some of the things that I have just experienced. I may not have the most professional opinion about it. or You know, it's like uh, it's not like I've, I'm that much older where I've lived through it. And it's like, here's what you do, son. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, – yeah, I can definitely say, well, I've tried that. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, don't, <laughs> don't do that. You know, that's Brandon's about to mess up. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way my advice goes to just about anybody on anything. They're like, oh, what should I do here on this? And I'm like, well, I don't know what you should do, but I can tell you what you shouldn't do. <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah. I'm pretty good at that advice for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, haven't figured anything out yet. That's I'm. I'm only 39, so I don't know if I'll ever figure it out, and I'll probably just drop dead the day I do. So. <laughs> You'll be able to share that wisdom with anybody. <laughs> yeah, I think it's held pretty close to somebody's chest. What did you think about how much Brandon spends on food, him and his girlfriend? That was pretty pretty astonishing. <laughs> there. And, 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 while we're, and while we're driving down the road uh, listening to this podcast – which most of them have been pretty good. I think there's only one episode that I couldn't listen uh, to the show with my kids in the car. Um, <laughs> but we were actually driving up to the Danville Balloon Festival listening to a couple of the podcasts. I can't remember now. Yeah, what you get. So my wife was like, she was already kind of in the know from knowing. The fact uh, that we blow retarded amounts of money. Yeah, because <laughs> your girlfriend would be talking to her about the amount of you know eating out and what you guys do. Uh, I was pretty pretty floored by that (laughs) because once again i'm a person like i said that when i go out to eat i uh, i like to eat good but i don't spend like four hundred dollars um i've only done that like once on a vacation now i'm not like tom over here i don't order a water with lemon and only eat the lemon (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) have some salt please (laughs) i actually this last week i was really bad about spending money have you guys noticed how like if you had a well, A-Zip. I love A-Zip Pizza in Terre Haute. I don't mean to dog on them. But like A-Zip, Jimmy John's, a lot of these places, it's not like – it used to be seven or eight bucks. 
Now it seems like $11 is the average when I go out to eat. And I'm not getting anything fancy, just like a combo meal or something like that. There were a couple times this week when I was just like, I heard my brain being like, that's too much money. And I could hear Lady Prego being like, me and the kids ate, you know, apple peels and onions. And you, <laughs> she'll be like, I-, I can take the kids to McDonald's and I eat for $6 and you spent $9 at McDonald's. Mm. I was going to say, I got a good idea for Tom. He should get uh, DoorDash or something like that, and they'll send you uh, coupon codes uh, for like 35% off for your pickup order. You can save some money that way. <laughs> thanks thanks for the tip, Beef. I need to see if they've got that in Old Terre Haute. Maybe they do. Pro tip. Subway they has to DoorDash. Out, yeah, Subway used to send out coupons, but they stopped. Mm-hmm. And their coupons now are basically spend $9.00. Upgrade your drink size for free. Oh, yeah, <laughs> used to be able to get a a sandwich for five bucks there. Now it's about ten bucks. I think. Yeah, it seems like any fast food I go to anymore. Like I don't eat a lot of fast food, but I'll go to a fast food joint and I'll just be like, oh, you know, real quick, give me a number three. And then they're like, okay, do you want this? And I'm like, yeah. And I always get a medium. And then the next thing you know, they're like, okay, that'll be eleven dollars and fifty six cents. And I'm like. Yeah. For a cheeseburger fries yeah, and that's a what drink. I'm saying. Yeah. I really think you can honestly go out to a sit-down restaurant if you're going to order like a burger or chicken fingers or something like that and pay the same thing you can at McDonald's and probably get it faster, <laughs> in, in all honesty. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're that far off with that. Like, we've yeah. gone to McDonald's a few times, and at like Clinton at like 9 o'clock at night, nothing's open. So, I mean, keep that in mind, but... When we sat in that clubs. drive-thru for a half an hour before, most <laughs> sit-down restaurants can pump out a cheeseburger or chicken fingers in the amount of time that a fast food place can. Mm-hmm. To be fair, the manager at that Clinton McDonald's usually does a pretty good job. I feel like it's usually not that bad, but there are a lot of McDonald's. That's the best one. In general, That's there's the a lot of McDonald's one. where you yeah. could have that experience. So Lady Prego and I had our trek up to Wisconsin, and so <laughs> we had to eat out. Well, Well, yeah, I mean – we pack snacks for the car because now that she's pregnant, between her and me, we one of us is constantly eating pretty much. So, um, so we we ate out a lot while we were up there, and we ate at this place called Downtown Kitchen. And I, at first, I was kind of bummed because we thought it was like a restaurant, but it was really like a cafeteria slash restaurant in this really nice high end downtown business building. But I go in there, and you just fill out a card and write and tell them what you want. And like everybody's wearing a white coat and a mask and a hat and they like look at your burger order and they do, they just basically like they're wearing gloves. They take the burger out of the freezer. They put it on the grill and they make it to order. And that was fantastic. That food was really good. <laughs> I asked the lady, I was like, do you have water? Is it part of this meal deal or whatever? And she was like, no, I'm sorry. I have this bottled water over in the fridge. Well, I was thirsty, but I wasn't $4 thirsty. So I was like, all right, <laughs> I wasn't rude about it. But I was like, okay, she didn't get a drink. Well, the that's the most tight ass thing you've ever done. <laughs> the thing was, a drink came with the combo meal deal, but all they had was this. They didn't have unsweet tea. They just had tea with lemon, which is basically like hummingbird food for diabetics trying to wean themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, I walked over there and I was like barely sipping out of this because if I drink that whole cup, I'm not going to feel good the rest of the day. And it mm-hmm. was really good. It was awesome. The lady came over and she was like. Uh, if you don't like the stuff that we have over there in the machine, she's like, you can go get a, a, a different bottle of water. The one that I didn't see, it's part of the meal deal. And she's like, just go ahead and get it. Don't worry about it. I was like, thank you. <laughs> we got our food. It was like a cafeteria thing. So it was like through. MCL kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You filled out what you wanted. You got your food. You could walk around and we were able to sit down and we could see between all the downtown buildings. Lake Michigan, we saw sailboats out on the water and it was only like 25 bucks for both of us to eat there. And the food was good. 
And I was like, this is awesome. It was like a good value. <laughs> but Brandon, you want to guess the most that we spent on all of our meals out on one meal? $25. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's probably the What do you think, right Kyle? Are you, so are you asking total for all of them while you no, were there? No, just, just what was the most expensive meal? I would say you spent $35. It was actually 50 What? After after oh. the tip. That's 25 a piece. It's like a five-star the, restaurant. The Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> I'm surprised you even went there. Uh, well, it was the one like fancy. I know that it's not like a truly branded fancy restaurant. Where For Thomas, though, that's like. <laughs> well, we were, remember, this is a callback to another episode. Remember how you were talking about sometimes you have awkward interactions with people as a host or a server? Uh-huh. <laughs> They could tell you didn't belong there. <laughs> yeah. We're sitting at the table and uh You the, didn't order off the kids menu, did you? No. Okay. The waitress comes up and she's she's like, Hello, my name's Maria. How are you today? And uh my wife's like, We're good, we're good, thanks. And then Maria's like, Good, so can I get you something? and I just cut her off and I was like, I'm good, how are you? <laughs> like a minute after she asked the question while she was trying to say something, she just looked at me like, Oh, you're one of those people. <laughs> so we got water to drink, but we've got like uh entrees and I got coffee and cheesecake myself. And so that's part of the reason it was so expensive. But it was all really good. They give you uh never been there. big serving sizes there. Oh, they brought out Tisha's salad and I'm I'm not kidding you. It was like somebody had took a hubcap like <laughs> off of an Escalade and turned it upright. It was like an Olive Garden salad, like in a big ass. It was like the it was like salad. the size of Tom's head. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, nah, it wasn't salad. that big. Well, because my wife said, my wife lost was like, money on that beef. The lunch portions, <laughs> the lunch portions are cheaper, and they're smaller. My wife's like, you know, we just I've been snacking all day. I don't need the full dinner one. And the waitress set it out and was like, boom, set it on the table. And Lady Prego said, this is the lunch portion? And she was like, yeah. And my wife was like, how big is the dinner portion? And the waitress like made the, like a hula hoop thing with her arms. And she was like, it's really big. And I was like, all right. And I got, what did I get? I got chicken with Swiss cheese and mushroom sauce and stuff. And that plate, we're looking at this piano bench. It wasn't much smaller than that piano bench. It was expensive, but it was really good, and there was a lot of it, so we didn't feel like we so got So you had the most expensive dinner you've had in quite a while. I'd say so, yeah. We had the cheapest Splurge. dinner that we've had. Was it $50? No. <laughs> uh, we went, I had a hankering for pancakes, which I'd never eat, like maybe once a year. But I was like, pancakes sound good, so we went to IHOP. And they had a special on these, like, Reese Cup pancakes. I had coffee and pancakes. Ashley had an appetizer, a drink, and an entree. Guess how much our bill was? $40. That sounds like it'd probably be in the 50s range. $23. Wow. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Tip included? Uh, Braden usually leaves a $20 tip, so I'm going to say no. (laughs) I don't remember if that was tip included or not. Probably not. Did you feel like Mr. Frugal Pants after you? Yeah, I even said I was a miss a Thomas dinner. <laughs> yeah, Tom, what is your what is your average tip range? Are you a ten, fifteen, or twenty percent tipper? Uh, between fifteen and twenty. Okay, I've never not left a tip for anybody, even if it was horrible. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I know it sounds like self righteous saying that. My mom was saying, a server, so I'm a. 20% tipper. Like, I was a 20% tipper when it was only 15, you know? My tight astery doesn't go that far. So. <laughs> Do you feel obligated to leave a tip at, like, Panda Express in the tip jar? This is one thing I hate. There's this amb- ambiguous 
mystery now of when's appropriate to tip and when not to tip. Obviously, if you go somewhere and you have a waitress or a waiter, you, you're supposed to tip. But mm-hmm. you go into Papa John's now, and are you supposed to tip the guy that rings you up? They're all like that. There's are you so many to, of them. Now. Are you supposed to tip the person that brings the food out? Because it's usually different people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I try to leave like a dollar in those situations. I'm like, well, if a lot of people leave a dollar, it'll add up for these guys, even if they split it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, on the other hand, I don't want to like double the cost of the meal. <laughs> that always bothers me because as a person who worked for tips for so long and relied on that for my income, like I want to do the right thing to do in that situation, but I don't want to leave it if it's not like. Well, you don't even know who that goes to. Mm-hmm. You don't know if they're splitting it. Mm-hmm. And it's like. What if it goes to this person, weird. but not the people in the kitchen, and you're giving it to the chucklehead who sits up front and like texts girls all day, and all he has to do is go get the food, but the guys in the back don't? It's like it's frustrating. I wish that they would leave like a note, be like, "We share tips." Like, if you liked your meal, please leave something or whatever. Well, even the businesses now that have the little square, they have the little kiosk with the like iPad thing mm-hmm. there, you know, for the square. Mm-hmm. They'll like do all your stuff, and then they'll spin it around. JC Penney's, you got some new sweatpants, and they're like, "Would you like to leave a tip?" Yeah, and there'd be like a tip thing on there, and and it's like they're looking at the they're looking over at a, at the screen to see which one you hit or whatever, and it's like your fingers like shaking as you hit. No thanks. <laughs> it's basically, I asked for a black coffee yeah. with a little bit of ice so I can drink it sometime today. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's basically asking, "Are you a good person?" Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why I say, "Would you like to leave a tip?" Yeah. When I go to Starbucks, I usually leave a dollar tip per drink. That's my my rule of thumb. That's ridiculous because their drinks are already like eleven dollars for a coffee. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm too kind. When I worked at Starbucks, we did split the tips though. At least I know that that's how it works there. Yeah, I mean they do have like six people working in there. So they got to split it. I, mean, I can say that for the last ten years, I have not left anything less than twenty percent for a tip. Even for horrible service, there's been a couple of times I left a note for the server and told them that I thought they should go jump off a bridge, try a different kind of living because they're not good at their job. <laughs> but uh, I, I think there's a lot of servers who think they deserve 20% every single time, and there's a lot of servers that aren't good at, like, don't put forth the effort. Like, we had a girl leave the restaurant that I'm at a little while ago, and she basically told me that she couldn't make any money doing waiting tables that it's not a good job and she was getting she had an issue with her car and i was like well instead of spending like 500 bucks on that why don't you use that as a down payment for like a three thousand dollar car and she's like i'm poor i can't afford that and i was like you have the same job as me and i just bought a brand new car i was like (laughs) we literally have the same job don't tell me that your job sucks it's like you said earlier what you put into it yeah and she would get mad when she didn't get 20 percent sometimes it's like but you've been in the break room for the last Mm -hmm. 20 minutes not checking on your table and they've got an empty drink and you're not busy and mm-hmm. so I don't, I don't know i hate when servers are like that and just assume that they deserve 20 percent for every tip when well, they're not putting in that work i think uh talking about spending a lot of money on maybe stuff that you could spend on other things when i go to casey's like i kind of beat myself up about it sometimes if i get a drink there or whatever but then I see people buying cigarettes and drinks and food and snacks and all this other stuff there. Lottery tickets. Yeah, and lottery tickets too. Oh, man, it's the EBT people for me that piss me the right the hell off. You say like, the BBT people? No, the e- EBT. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've been at line at some place like that. And, you know, they've got two or three Monster Energy drinks and pile of Slim Jims and a 
cake snack and a piece of pizza and they pull out their ebt card and i'm like what the hell like how mm. how is that okay like you literally don't have a job and you're in here buying all these snacks those people are always like <laughs> handicapped <laughs> kyle what do you take i know you said that you uh you've been listening to our episodes and that you maybe had some feelings on the the new normal episode what uh share those with us well i hope that the new normal isn't the new normal <laughs> just to throw that out there i'd i'd i mean it's not that bad we still live in america it's a great country and and we're doing the best we can but this new normal is uh i think it's got everybody on edge for sure because we're trying to navigate it like it's okay and we're doing the best we can but at the same time everybody wants to get back to the old normal and we all have a different opinion on how we're going to get there that makes a lot of sense Thomas, did you notice uh, how Kyle greeted me when I entered the room? <laughs> I don't know if you, you guys, that you guys bowed like the Japanese do, right? <laughs> we did not. <laughs> oh yeah, we we, we did shake hands, that. didn't we? Yeah. Uh, no. You know, since we've done that episode, I've shaken. A I've lot shaken of hands. like three of hands. <laughs> three of hands. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it doesn't bother me. You know why? Because I have a thing to hand sanitizer in my car. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I didn't wash my hands before I shook your hand either, Brandon, because yeah. <laughs> I just came into Tom's house, and that was about it. He used the bathroom, and then he made me a snack. He made me just <laughs> <laughs> <made you> a snack. <laughs> a better sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The new normal. That was the first time we kind of touched on something relatively current. Mm-hmm. We must have not pissed off that many people, though, because I haven't gotten a lot of negative feedback. So. so Thomas wanted to talk about a book today, guys, but we've kind of exceeded our time limit, and I don't think anybody really listens to hear about books <laughs> anyway. So, Yeah, I was well, going to use it to kind of tie in several different episodes we did, but I'll just save it for another Well, <laughs> What was the book, and maybe I'll, I'll e-read it or whatever you call that, because I don't read books, but I do listen to a lot of books. See, that's what separates you from Brandon and Beef. <laughs> At least you listen to books. They won't even do that. <laughs> uh, it's called Masters of Doom. It was about John Romero and John Carmack, the guys that... Is it a fiction or a nonfiction? It's nonfiction. Okay. It's about the guys that started id Software, and you guys know the Doom series of video games. Mm-hmm. John Carmack, yeah. it was actually one of the first episodes of Joe Rogan I listened to. He was on there. Just a very, 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 very smart programmer. He, I think he was like a rocket scientist for a while, too. And the video game industry, I'm sneaking in my segment in here anyway. So <laughs> I read Cue more about jazz music. Yeah. Well, this is just lead, this is just lead up to your, to your segment here. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, the video game industry to me is just really fascinating. And it was kind of like the wild, wild west of Silicon Valley, sort of like that um, in a different way. But. I, yeah, I actually read. This was the first book that I finished actually reading in a while. I listen to books pretty often too, but uh, yeah, Masters of Doom. I think David Kushner was the guy who wrote it. Interesting. If you like the stories of businesses and like how they exploded into unbelievable successes, and uh, it's really fun. And it, it it takes me back too. It's kind of nostalgic. I don't know if you remember Brandon playing Quake or mm-hmm. Unreal Tournament. Yeah, yeah. These guys came up with Quake. And they really kind of shook up the video game industry. and That was a pretty good game. Yeah. And that was the, like the original Call of Duty Halo even, type. Uh, yeah. have that on the Switch now. They do, yeah. They just re- really? re-released yeah. it on the Switch, yeah. Yeah. Will I be able to pull any knowledge out of this book that has anything to do with real estate or investing in my health or <laughs> cryptocurrency? For those things specifically, 
Probably not. <laughs> I probably won't read it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> the The most interesting thing about it was, uh, you know, like Lennon and McCartney, the stories of two really brilliant people mm-hmm. trying to learn how to work together and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's that's to me what was the most interesting thing. So you mentioned cryptocurrency. Do you own quite a bit of it? Or? I have some Dogecoin, uh, but I unfortunately bought it at higher than what it sits at currently. <laughs> I'm kind of in the same boat. Which, if it were to Brandon's go down boat's a lot bigger. about, <laughs> it would. If it were to go down about uh, five more cents, I would just double what I have, and it would bring my total overall average of what I paid for it down significantly. And then I think eventually I would be in a better position. So I know that's a weird way to think about it. Like when you're already losing money, buy more. But I would be buying it significantly cheaper than what I did before. Hmm. I'm actually getting ready to do kind of the same thing you were talking about for me. I got in it originally as a chance that, like, if this thing ever takes off and turns into Bitcoin, I would feel really stupid to not put a little bit of money in it. Same here, yeah. So, on the chances that that happens over the next year when I have an extra 50 bucks, I'm going to throw it in there. Mm -hmm. And then if it happens, it happens, and if not... How's the uh, Shiba Inu doing now? uh, It jumps around a lot. Um, Right now, I'm sitting pretty close to, like, broke even. Some days it jumps up and I'll be up a hundred bucks. Some days I'll be down a hundred bucks, but I bought some of it high and I bought some of it really low. I mean, I to buy a bunch more. So funny, uh, funny story, Tom. Well, I won't name him, I guess, but uh, one of the people at our church that actually works there bought Dogecoin when it was at a penny and a half. Oh man! And he only bought twenty eight dollars worth, and he normally buys things in his. Stock market. So he did this on Robinhood. So in his stock account, I think he uses uh, E Trade. He usually buys everything in five thousand dollar increments. Anytime he does anything, he just moves money around. Well, since he didn't know that much about this, he just kind of set up a Robinhood account and bought twenty eight dollars worth of it. And he was having this conversation with me when it was fifteen cents account or a, a Dogecoin, you know. So it had went from a penny and a half to fifteen cents, and he was. We were sitting there doing the math on if he would have done $5,000. And basically, uh, it, well, when it got up to, I think it got as high as $0.69, cents, he would have basically had around a million dollars if he would have done the 5000 at a penny and a half. Let me ask you this question because this is something that's been interesting for me is I have over a, a 100 million shares of SHIB right now. Or not shares, but SHIB coin. My goal is to get quite a few more. So, at what point do you think, like, if you make a certain amount of money, are you like, okay, I'm pulling out? I think if you double your money, you're safe to take half of that out. Is the way I've kind of, I've never really done it, but that seems like the best way for me to justify it in my head. If I invested a hundred dollars and I made two hundred. I mean, I know those are low numbers. You wouldn't do it at that. But if it was significantly more, you would do it at that. But I keep telling myself that it has to be life-changing money. Um, I've got regular stock market accounts outside of the crypto. But I told myself with the crypto, it has to be life-changing money. But then I get into, well, I'm ready to do a $10,000 loan to fix my house up. So $10,000 is life-changing. And I was like, well, $100,000 is enough that I could quit my job and you know, pursue something on my own would be enough to keep me. And then I'm like, but if I sold a hundred thousand dollars and it was worth ten million, 
the next year. Mm-hmm. So, like, it gets interesting to see, like, at what point is it life-changing money? And then at, like, what point is it too much of a gamble? You know, even if you say, I'm, I'm waiting for $10 million, when you see $3 million in your bank account, you never had $3 million, you know. Mm-hmm. I could make something. So we never really touched on this when I talked about <clears throat> my career as in real estate is a lot of people I work with are investors and they buy rental properties mm-hmm. and they're basically taking their money out of retirement funds and they're putting it into real estate. So if you got to the point where you made enough money that you could buy a $50,000 house, maybe throw another $10,000 into it, make a thousand dollars a month rent off of it. You're making a thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. off of $60,000. I don't know it, too many other things that you can do that could make you that kind of money would still be worth something even in the worst case scenario if the market drops out right now your crypto is worth nothing you can wake up tomorrow and it's all worth nothing that house might go from sixty thousand dollars to forty five thousand dollars if the market drops but in two more years it might be worth eighty thousand dollars and you're still making profit a thousand dollars a month off of it now not all in your pocket because you're going to need to put some money back for uh, capital expenditures, you know, you're going to have to pay taxes, insurance, things like that on it. So, you know, you might be, I always say, whatever you think you're going to get out of, uh, whatever your rent is, subtract 40% and you can almost put that much in your pocket. The other, the 40% you need to put back for rainy day. I could break it down a lot more, but that would be an entire episode to kind of walk through that whole scenario for sure. That's a, that's an interesting thing to think about too. And if you do that, 10 times you're making $10,000 a month mm-hmm. subtract 40% that's $6,000 a month I think I could make it you know for sure <laughs> off of $6,000 a month Tom would only have to have like yeah. two rentals yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you could probably rent a cardboard box to a homeless guy and be alright <laughs> hey a member of our show that currently resides in Hawaii may be uh, interested in a piece of Real estate in Indiana sometime soon, hey, Beef? Yeah, maybe next year, hopefully. No, oh, now you got somebody you can reach out to. Hey, there we go. Just pick up that pineapple phone, <laughs> dial that number. Yeah, pick, pick up yeah, poor yeah. SpongeBob's house and give me a give me a ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brandon Beef, do you guys have anything you want to say before we go? Oh, just thanks for Kyle for coming on. We, yeah, we really appreciate, appreciate it, guys. It. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. It was Thank nice you, meeting, meeting you guys all kind of under this umbrella of the – of the show but uh we'll have to do it again yeah thanks again for being on here uh thanks to everybody for listening hanging in there with us uh we're still back on every other thursday just like clockwork right brandon that's right <laughs> we'll be out there <laughs> and i think we're gonna start having more guests on here because like brandon said three dumbasses can only come up with so much material so <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening we'll see you next time